The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is up, my beautiful people? This is the Bear of Texas, and welcome to another edition of Into the NetFC the Soccer Talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, I give to you the coolest nurse in the world. Quite frankly, my good friend and my mentor in beautiful and sunny Southern California. What is going on, Steve? Well, I'll tell you, it was absolutely Chamber of Commerce weather out there today. It was mid-high 70s, brilliant sunshine, a little bit of a breeze. is absolutely flawless, perfect weather. And, of course, I had to be inside at work. But... Uh, you know, a lot going on over the weekend. Uh, where do you want to start? Well, I'm actually going to start by saying, you know, the, even though this Super League, even though these English c- clubs have abandoned this sort of thing, if you are my honest opinion, I think it's far, far from over. So I think we're, we're going to start about the fact that you and I really believe that there's a backlash for all the clubs that, in your words, went kind of rogue. Uh, people have gone medieval. Uh, the fan base of the the big six English clubs that were involved with this, the two Manchester clubs, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, Tottenham. I mean, the, the fan bases uniformly are extremely upset with their, uh, the ownership groups of the clubs and, uh, we saw everything just sort of come to a head uh, at Old Trafford yesterday where uh, they weren't able to get the match in between Liverpool and Manchester United when a couple hundred fans were able to breach security and get into the stadium and uh, generally uh, wreak some havoc. You know, the, the situation with Manchester United is that fans have had it up to here, have had it up to their heads with the whole Glazer situation. To be honest, that has been the case ever since they bought the club in 2005. Because according to... I mean, I've never paid attention much to the Glazers because I've never been that diehard Man U fan. But from what I understand is that 
from 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 this uh, article that that was published by Goal is that the Glazers have never gave a damn about the fans. They've never cared about the well-being of the club, about the players, about the winning. It's all basically it's all about the money. It's all about putting money in their pocket. They have made zero attempt to reach out to the the various fan groups for for Manchester United. And this is a club with so much history, so much tradition. And uh, like I said, everything just hit ahead. Uh, to be fair, there were you know several hundred people who were demonstrating peaceably, uh, giving the Glazer uh, Consortium a piece of their mind, but they were doing it peacefully. But uh, the minority, the couple hundred that you know stormed into the stadium. Uh, you know, it was it was pretty ugly. A uh, policeman got hit with a bottle, had a really nasty laceration on his head, and uh, you know, it was it was not uh, a very very pretty scene. And uh, you can certainly be unhappy with the ownership group, but there is nothing there's nothing that rationalizes that level of violence that that group of fans did, and it's also counterproductive to the fans who were peaceably demonstrating their um, their displeasure with the whole situation. You know, the, f- the fans are just not happy, but it's not just the Man U fans. I mean, the whole thing surrounded the, that proposal about the Super League, it's just, it's, it's gone crazy. And it's a shame because I was actually excited to watch uh, Manchester United and Liverpool go. But according to the, what I'm uh, actually, you know, from the article I actually shared from Goal is that apparently Man U fans, the, the anti-Glazer family protest could actually succeed this time. Like, I honestly do believe that this time, I, I think the Man U supporters kind of have the advantage. And I mean, I don't know how long it's going to take for the Glazers family to finally let up and say, fine, we give up, we'll go. But Man U fans, I mean, I, I just think this, this whole thing with the Glazers, they're not going to, the fans will not let up this time. Like, I mean, to say that they've had it up to here, I mean, there's the other statement of the century right there. Like, they want them gone, like, just like that. Well, they have a gauntlet of complaints, uh, none the least of which is that they have not made any effort at all to meet with the various supporter groups. Uh, there's absolutely no no input whatsoever. Uh, people in Manchester who have supported the club for years uh, they feel like they've been extorted. They're paying a whole hell of a lot more money for their match day tickets now uh, than they ever would have dreamed of. And, um, you know, to think that, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, soccer, football, uh, it's it really is a blue-collar sport. It really is a sport of the people. And uh, right now with some of these different very, very wealthy consortiums that run some of the EPL clubs and with how expensive it has become to not only just, not only to see the games in person, but I would argue that right now it's actually easier to watch EPL games on TV here in the U.S. between uh, NBCSN and Peacock. It's easier to catch the games here than it is to catch the games on TV in uh, in Great Britain, there's this whole prorated uh, fee structure for for trying to follow different games and stuff. So uh, it's 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 really uh, a bad situation. And then this uh, attempt to form the European Super League, 
this was just the straw that broke the Cavs' back as far as a lot of fans are concerned. Amen to that, Steve. You know, well said. You know, that ex- that's exactly the, the straw that broke the Camels' back. And, you know, when I explained the Super League, like, when I explained a particular scenario, if, if that was the case, I'd be for it. But that next day, it was proven to me, my eyes were open, that it was totally not the case. Like, it was the total opposite of what I suggested would be a good thing if the Super League were to take place. But... You know, like, I'll be honest, you and I, as we love soccer, we'd love to see more of the big games like Juventus versus uh, versus Liverpool, Paris Saint-Germain versus Chelsea, but at the same time, eventually we'll get bored of that. And to be honest, just to make things easier, I mean, even on you and me, you know, the Champions League is fine the way it is. It's been like that for a while. It's had a lot of success, so there's really no point of risking changing in any way. Well, I mean, the Champions League, you don't have as many surprises uh in the champions league as as you did i mean occasionally they might pop up uh, like the year that porto and monaco met in the the champions league final i want to say that was like 2003 2004, uh, 2004 so it was totally unexpected uh, last year lyon making its magical run into the into the semifinals. so i mean but for the most part when you're when you're talking as far as like the teams that are getting into the semifinals, it's pretty much the the big name clubs uh, are are doing it. But uh, but you do have the Champions League, so I mean you do have that chance to to see what the best team from Italy versus the best team from Spain uh, versus the best team from the EPL. I mean you you get to see those those kind of matches. Uh, but what they were going to do with the ESL was a situation where it was just going to be a private club, no relegation. I mean, everybody everybody was going to be in it, and uh, it was really just going to be a massive money grab. Yeah, I mean that that's why a lot of supporters are saying, you know, against the greed, like Liver, like Liverpool against the greed, like you know, we never walk alone. But any other, I mean, it's good that the fans were taking a stand at this, but. But now I want to get you like so you believe and, and you and I both honestly believe that these six clubs need to be punished, and they're saying that a relegation is very likely to happen. I mean, one source actually said, "I swear to you that they could be relegated to like six flights down." I'm like, dude, I don't think they would ever go through with this. I mean, the top clubs in England relegating that bad. I mean, honestly, I think a relegation is probably out of the question because too much money is going to be lost, and that's certainly not worth it. But, but, yeah, but at the end of the day, the clubs have to be punished for their role. Well, the FA certainly has some weapons at their disposal, and they also have uh, precedents within British sport. Uh, within the sport of rugby, Saracens, which is uh, a rugby club in London, won a couple of Euro titles, has won a couple of English titles. They weren't following financial fair play, and they got busted by the RFU, the governing body of rugby in England, uh, they got busted down to the lower division. Uh, they were uh, penalized like 20 points or just some really, really extreme amount of points. I could certainly see the FA, if they don't just flat out relegate these six clubs, I could certainly see them saying, okay, all these clubs are going to be penalized like say 20 or 30 points or whatever the FA decides to come up with. 
which, and if they were to decide to do that to this year's standings, uh, all of a sudden Manchester City might no longer be EPL champ. It could theoretically fall to, say, Leicester City because Leicester City is not a big money club. They were not part of this big money grab. So Man City would certainly be affected. They would be penalized. Man U would certainly be penalized. Um, so it would be really interesting to see that the two teams that would stand to gain the most out of such a scenario uh, where they may end up, if not winning the EPL, possibly at least winning uh, Champions League spots uh, would be Leicester City and West Ham would in this type of scenario would be the most obvious winners but uh it would it would be interesting to see because uh you know if you were to relegate them you know two or three divisions and you eliminate six of the biggest names in in english ball then what is that going to do to tv ratings i mean that's that's the other thing too i mean you want to punish them but are you going to make the punishment so severe that you know it ends up becoming uh, like using a rock to kill a fly on a pane of glass? Um, it may end up boomeranging and actually end up um, with unintended bad effects financially for the FA. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see. But do I absolutely think that the six clubs should be punished? Absolutely. If the FA is not going to do direct relegation, then I think at least at a minimum, there should be some significant uh, penalties in play as far as the amount of points that are going to be deducted for all of these six clubs. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and the truth is, look, while it is tough for us, you know, you and me, like, because we're supporters of the two of the, of the six clubs, like, you and I can't deny the fact that, you know, when if you mess up, you, you got to pay the consequences. I mean... And to be honest, yeah, you're absolutely right as far as the TV ratings goes. Because if, if those teams are highly relegated, like like several flights down, I mean, the whole thing's going to fall and break. And I, and I really don't think FA Cup would want to take that risk. If it's up to me, like if, if I were to suggest a punishment, like I guess the points taken away is definitely reasonable. If they could, you know, obviously you, you got to find the club, like find the man, find the, the club, you know, I mean, a, a, a fair amount of money and, and maybe like kind of like, suspend them for making transfers for a season if they can do that. I'm not sure if they do that in the EPL, if they have that, that kind of probation, but the the punishment has got to be, like, it's got to be fair. Like, it's got to be treated accordingly. It's It's got to hurt, but it can't be so bad where it's going to boomerang on them. And, uh, I mean, let's face it, if you're NBC and you've paid a whole hell of a lot of money to broadcast – games on NBCSN and Peacock, all of a sudden, um, it's like, wait a sec, how am I going to be advertising my product? How am I going to get people to watch this program, to watch the ads that our advertisers uh, are paying us money for? Are people actually going to watch the EPL without the two Manchester clubs, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea? Uh, I think ratings would end up totally taking a bath. So, yeah. 
so we'll just have to see, but uh, but there there definitely has to be some type of significant punishment for this six. Yeah, and last I want to say, as far as the punishments go, the players shouldn't have to be punished because, in my opinion, I mean, the, what do the players have to do with this? I mean, it's not like the players have any say so because I feel like you know the fact that if the clubs went through with this, Steve, that all the players involved that play for those clubs, they would never ever be allowed to represent their native country again. I mean, that that's a bit too harsh. So, but at this point. While the clubs need to be punished, you know, as far as the players go, I mean, they had nothing to do with it, so they can't be punished. No, they. The, it, it's clearly not the players. It's clearly not the coaches. I mean, it's clearly, you know, skullduggery going on in the back boardrooms and just good old-fashioned unmitigated greed. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It, it, it's greed. Now, before we move on to next, i got to ask you, Steve, in your honest opinion, should a EPL club ever be owned by... Should it, should there ever be American ownership? Well, I mean, you, you you can certainly have American ownership. I mean, foreign ownership is not that new. I mean, Roman Abramovich is Russian. Uh, it's golf money that's involved with uh, Manchester City. Uh, why would it be okay to have foreign ownership from the Gulf states and Russia, but not from the United States. You know, I, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that should be a question. Now, the unfortunate problem though, too, is that American business men, uh, they also have a little bit of a different way of doing, doing business, particularly as far as with how they run their sporting teams. And, um, you know, one of the things in American sport is there's no such thing as relegation in American sport. And um, that's the one thing that, that makes it unique to uh, European soccer is that teams can get relegated. Teams, big teams, uh, have been relegated. I mean, it wasn't all that many years ago, I want to say 1998, when Manchester City was actually in the third tier mm -hmm, that's um, right. of, uh, of English football. Now, granted, this was long before, you know, the big, the big purse strings of the golf money came their way. But still, Manchester City was a big club, and they were actually down in, in the third tier. And not that terribly long ago, on the grand scheme of things, 1998 is not that long ago. No, it's not. Yeah, see, that, that, that's why I asked. Like, you know, the way you answer, I mean, obviously it's true, yeah. It, there's always been foreign ownership. I mean, that that, don't, that not only goes for the EPL clubs, but, you know, club, uh, you know Paris Saint-Germain uh, is it, it owned, you know, by a businessman from Qatar. I believe that Marseille, I think at one point, wasn't Marseille owned one, one time by an American businessman or it's still listed? Oh, they still own, it still is. Frank yeah. McCord, the guy, the guy who ran the Dodgers into the ground. Yeah. Uh, and who's done, you know, pretty swell job of making things crappy down in Marseille too, with my favorite French club. Uh, so I mean, you've also got American ownership. Bordeaux is owned by an American team uh, in Italy. Roma, that ownership is is American. So I mean, there's more than a few American owners of of teams in Europe. I mean, it's not that uh, new of a thing. Um, you would be hard pressed to find an American ownership group that is as nearly hated and reviled as the Glazers. Uh, they're at a whole whole other level. I mean, even 
even in Liverpool with some of the grumblings against the Fenway Sports Group that run Liverpool, uh, it's not nearly the level of vitriol that you see among citizens of Manchester against the Glazers. Exactly. So I guess the thing is, it's not whether you're American or Russian. It's just, it, I guess you should say, if, you're, if you've are if been an owner before, if you've run down teams to the ground before, you're just simply not cut to own, an, to own a team. Yeah, I mean, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad to clarify that because, but, you know, it's, it's just said, you know, buy a team, you don't really care for the well-being of it, it's, you only want to make it about yourself, I mean, you know. Unfortunately, some guys have to live like that. It's all about putting money in their pocket, right? Exactly. Yeah, that, that, that's the greed that these fans are protesting. But moving on, now tomorrow, Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester City, the second leg and the winner goes to the Champions League final. Now, you know, I'm actually, you know, it's amazing. Like between you and me, you seem, you honestly believe that PSG still has a chance, but in my honest opinion, I feel like Knowing how Manchester City is, you know, resilient, focused, you know, a super winning mentality, I really didn't think PSG has a chance of coming back because PSG is going to have to keep a clean sheet and score and score probably a two nothing win would certainly be would be enough because you know Manchester City has the away goal, goals advantage right now, so PSG's got to take that kind of advantage. But anything could happen if you want my honest opinion. Well, there's also a question if Mbappe is going to play. If Mbappe is not going to be playing for PSG, I don't like their chances. Uh, he did not have a great game uh, in the first game. Um, PSG played pretty well for the first 30 minutes, and then just uh, they ran into a power outage the rest of the way, and Man City just played great ball the last 60 minutes of the game. But uh, Mbappe is an X-factor He's a phenomenal player. He's a great talent. Uh, he's shown that he can shine on the big stage. He's done it uh, with the French national team. He did it when he was a teenager playing with Monaco a few years ago when they made their run to the semifinals. Um, but if he's not playing tomorrow um, in that return leg at the Etihad, I just don't like PSG's chances if Mbappe is sitting that one out. Well, they say that well, Mbappe did not play enough. PSG's uh, latest uh, league uh, game, he wasn't even on the he wasn't even on the bench at all. So there has been really talk since then. I, I think Mbappe is, is going to be is probably going to play. I mean, I, I'm optimistic. I mean, I'm optimistic about the whole match, but but if there's no Mbappe, then I think Manchester City is going to literally wipe PSG just completely off out of the tournament. Uh, second second matchup uh, for Wednesday, Chelsea Real Madrid, which was a good game. Frankly, Chelsea should have won the game. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. They, they, they should have destroyed them. They out they outplayed them. They had the better chances. Werner just his finishing was just awful last week. But uh, but Chelsea clearly outplayed uh, Real Madrid. Real Madrid's got the the firepower. They can certainly score goals. Um, A 0-0 result, if it's a total clean sheet, it would be enough for Chelsea to make it to another final. But uh, I'm actually going to give Chelsea the edge in this one. And and that's even if, if Sergio Ramos is even back for Real Madrid. And he's an X factor and the guy's a winner. Love him or hate him, the guy's a winner. And uh, but I, I, I still like Chelsea's chances. And uh, 
And, I mean, interestingly enough, too, Chelsea and Man City, they've got a game coming up. Um, I think it's the next game that's coming up for both of them. I think that they, they play each other. So that may actually end up being a, a little bit of an hors d'oeuvre if they make it uh, an all-EPL Champions League final. Yeah, yeah, you're right. On Saturday, May 8th, uh, Manchester City uh, and Chelsea. Chelsea is going to be the uh, visiting side. You know, I have to agree with you. I think Chelsea certainly has the edge. Now, everybody's asking me who I'm rooting for because, you know, with the whole thing with Zidane and then with Chelsea, there's Giroud, Conte, and, of course, uh, Captain America himself, Christian Pulisic. You know, I, I just kind of say it's it's the same thing for me. It's, you know, it's the sports writing perspective that's more concerned than the fan perspective of me. Because at the end of the day, a good game is going to give me a story. So that that's what I'm looking for. And, you know, without Chelsea, you know, Chelsea dominated the first 20, 25 minutes of the game. You know, Christian Pulisic's goal was was spectacular. And if you want my honest opinion, Chelsea probably should have scored five, four or five goals. But, you know, they were threatening, but they just could not finish. While Real Madrid was kind of playing in a, in a way like they were just simply trying to get in Chelsea's head and hope that Chelsea would make a mistake so they could capitalize, but Chelsea kind of didn't do that. But, but Real, like you said, Real Madrid has the firepower, but Chelsea is just not the team they were when Frank Lampard was still in charge. When, ever since Thomas Tuchel came in and took over, this team has really turned the tables. Yeah, to think that they, they ran Thomas Tuchel out on a rail at PSG, and, uh, you know, he's... You know, got the got the Midas touch. Uh, Chelsea's been playing great ball ever since the Germans taken over over at Stamford Bridge. So I, right now, as optimistic as I am, I honestly believe we're going to see an EPL Champions League final. Yeah, well, there's a there's also a, a very good shot at an all EPL Europa Cup too. Uh, oh, Man used. Man U's in the in the driver's seat after that six two win against Roma. Um, what but, a win, too, dude! What a win! I mean, I don't know what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did at halftime. I don't know what the hell he did, but he did something or something happened. But because Man U was not the same team they were in the first half. Well, you can't count Arsenal out either in their uh, semifinal against Villarreal. Villarreal actually should have won that game. Uh, the first leg in Spain, they were just absolutely dominant. And uh, Arsenal actually was playing with 10 men after uh, a red card, but they were able to get a, a penalty that Pepe was able to cash in on. So Arsenal only lost 2-1. to one. They got the away goal. So if Arsenal is able to beat the Spaniards one zip, uh, then Arsenal, the Gunners, could actually make it to the final. It would certainly be interesting to see an all EPL like uh, Europa League final, but I just have a feeling, you know, if Man U can survive the second leg against Roma, I think Man U can probably win it all. I think, I think at this point right now, I think Man U is the favorite um, uh, going into these two semifinals. I mean, I had picked Villarreal to beat Arsenal, and I had picked Man U to to beat Roma, and. Um, at this point, I think um, Man U certainly has to be has to be the favorite. You know, the thing that you just have to scratch your head about is where was this play when it counted uh, back in the preliminary round of the Champions League when Man U did so poorly and they just 
qualified for the Europa Cup. So, uh, but uh, if if they're able to to win the Europa Cup, which also has the added thing, it also gives you a ticket into the Champions League. Although Man U, the way that they're going to finish, they're going to finish at the top four for sure, barring significant point punishment that may take them out of a European spot. Uh, but uh, you know, Man U is finishing very strong. Um, frankly, I was a little disappointed that the, the game against Liverpool didn't come to pass because Man City was going to be rooting for Liverpool to get the win. A Liverpool win at Old Trafford would have given City the, the EPL title. Yeah, well, it didn't happen. Uh, as far as the game being rescheduled, it's, it's it's unclear yet. You know, for me, like, I was keeping an eye out because at first I got the news saying the game was in jeopardy. Then an hour before the game, when they released the the starting lineups, I figured, well, it's, if they release the lineups, that means there's a good chance they'll go. And and probably about ten minutes after the game, news breaks out that the game's been called off, and it's a shame. I mean, I was excited about it. Well, I mean, it's still it's it's still a big game, and of course, now with uh, West Ham getting their win today um, against Burnley. All of a sudden, West Ham is, uh, they're looking for sure, uh, uh, they're looking at a very, very strong position for not just European ball, but they're breathing right down Chelsea's neck in the standings too. So uh, West Ham is finishing very, very strong. And, you know, Liverpool, they may have just let too many points slide. It's looking more and more like Liverpool is not going to be playing any type of European ball at all for uh the 21-22 season. And that would be a, that's a darn shame. It's a darn shame indeed. You know, and I should mention, in in Real Madrid's case, Rafael Varane's been officially ruled out, uh, apparently due to an abductor injury. And that's and that's a double whammy too, because uh, Real Madrid is in an absolute dogfight with uh, Atletico, Barca. Uh, Seville got shocked at the last minute today against Athletic Bilbao. But uh, you've got those four teams that are separated by like four or five points. But uh, Real Madrid is, you know, they're very much in the mix trying to win a La Liga title too. And losing Bahrain would be uh, a pretty huge loss. Unfortunately, it is. And it's definitely going to be difficult for them. You know, if Sergio Ramos and Varane are not there, and you're taking on, you know, Christian Pulisic, you're taking on... Timo Werner, even though the struggle lately is, you know, his inability to finish, I have a feeling Olivier Giroud is probably going to get some. Is probably going to get some playing time. I mean, just just imagine him alongside Christian Pulisic against a battered and beaten and disadvantaged Real Madrid defense. Chelsea could truly wreak havoc on Los Blancos. Well, and Mason Mount has been playing very well for the Blues, uh, so. It'll be interesting to see. Definitely. Well, so the last thing I want to talk about is apparently, you know, and I just learned about this last week, but the English Premier League has officially introduced the Hall of Fame. The voting has actually started. Before we uh, started today, I did cast my votes, but so far we know that the two official first inductees are Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry. Now, personally for me, obviously, Thierry Henry being there, that makes me very happy because... He's my favorite Premier League player of all time, and 
it just it just really felt good. And Alan Shearer, I mean, really, this dude deserves it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Alan Shearer the top uh, score, like the highest scorer in EPL history? I mean, he's such an emblematic player. Uh, he helped Blackburn win their only EPL title. He scored a ton of goals for Newcastle. And he grew up in Newcastle. He grew up on Tyneside. So, you know, he's a Geordie through and through. Uh, and uh, the, the guy could score. Um, Henri, uh, simply a magician with Arsenal and also with the French national team. Um, I think those are two very, very worthy picks of the of the Hall of Fame. Definitely. And what I like is that there are actually very strict requirements to get to get into the EPL Hall of Fame. I mean, one of them requires 200 Premier League appearances for one club, one a Premier League Golden Boot or a Golden Glove. If you're a goalkeeper, you have to have been voted as Premier League Player of the Season and won at least three Premier League titles and scored at least 100 Premier goals or recorded at least 100 Premier League clean sheets. Well, I don't know about the winning three EPL titles because Shearer only won one. He only won one title with uh, when he was at Blackburn. It, Newcastle, uh, they haven't won a top-flight title in many, many years, and certainly since since it became the EPL back in the, in the early 90s, uh, Newcastle... They had a near miss, but but Newcastle never won an EPL title. So, mm-hmm. um, but it sounds like uh, very strict criteria indeed to be able to be picked. And I think I saw like a, a preliminary list of players that were on the ballot, and it was a pretty formidable list. Yeah, and it says here like the players must have at 250 appearances, or if not, satisfy one of the following. So that's basically just some of the requirements. Mm-hmm. But from uh, from what I'm reading is that Shear and Henri were selected, uh, you know, through the PFA Team of the Century. I mean, they're two of the most amazing EPL players of all time. And the fact that you bring up how he helped the Blackburn Rovers win their EPL title back in, I think it was 1995. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's amazing. Like when you, when you asked me, had I ever heard of the Blackburn Rovers? I mean, my answer was no. I mean, a lot of fans from my generation forgot that at one point the Blackburn Rovers. Were actually was actually one, at one point the best team in England. I mean, I'm not sure where they where they're sitting now. Are they in their second or third flight right now? As I recall, they're down in the third flight these days. I mean, it's it's, it's just amazing. All all these clubs at one point were in the top flight. I mean, now they're so deep. I mean, nobody nobody's even heard of them. Like nobody even remembers them now. But um, I am now intrigued, so I'm going to look it up here real quick. No, they're in the sec. They're, Blackburn is in the second tier, and they finished fifteenth, just ahead of Nottingham Forest, a team that has a history of winning two European Champions Cups. So, um, and then since we're on that on that subject, um, two teams that will be definitely going up to the Premier League next year: Norwich and Watford have punched their tickets to to go to the top flight. And then the be a playoff between the teams that finished three, four, five, and six. Which at this point, Brentford is in third, Swansea's in fourth, Bournemouth's in fifth, Barnsley's in sixth. So uh, one of those one of those last four teams will be joining Norwich and Watford in the EPL next year. 
Absolutely. Well, congratulations to them. And here's some other nominees for the 2021 EPL Hall of Fame. It includes David Beckham, Eric Cantona, Didier Drogba, Robin Van Persie, Roy Keane, Frank Lampard, Patrick Vieira. <laughs> A lot of well-known EPL names. Those great names all. You know, it's 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 would be tough to imagine a Hall of Fame without Beckham or Cantona. Um, I mean, they're such emblematic players of, of Man U uh, from the 90s. And um, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, um, if and when they end up getting into the Hall of Fame too. You know, and this has me asking, if EPL has a Hall of Fame, I be- I wonder if La Liga, Ligue 1, and Serie A plan on uh, establishing a Hall of Fame of their own. They might. Uh, it, it might be a little something that they've borrowed uh, from American sport. I mean, we're over here, the the four major sports, you know, they all have they have their respective Hall of Fame. Um but I think it's it's long overdue. Oh, absolutely. And the main thing I wonder is that if a player is in the EPL Hall of Fame, if he had a lengthy lengthy career in Spain or Italy or France, could he be in that Hall of Fame as well? I mean, that would definitely be a question worth asking, but it's unknown. Well, I mean, what did Henri do enough when he was playing at Monaco um because I mean, he was really only at Monaco for a few years. I mean, he he was still a pretty young guy when he came up to Arsenal. When he made the jump from Monaco to come from uh, France to play with Arsenal, so um, you know, I mean, if you're gonna pick names and stuff on a player who could theoretically be in a Hall of Fame for two different countries, uh, Michel Platini, he would certainly, you know, he accomplished a lot in France. Uh, with his play with Nancy and Saint Etienne, but his play with Juventus, he would certainly belong in an uh, in an Italian uh, a Serie A or Italian club soccer Hall of Fame too. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, you can certainly get a good discussion as far as like players who uh, they had a chance to shine in um, a league before coming over uh, to England. Speaking of that, I, I would imagine uh, Didier Deschamps would certainly be worthy of the Hall of Fame in Ligue 1 and Serie A. Well, and he also he also played in the EPL too. So, uh, but I mean, he he probably had you could argue that he had probably a bit more success with Juventus than he did when he was when he was at Chelsea. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, it's it would be it would be interesting. Um, so I'm hoping that other countries that they decide to do something similar and, and do a hall of fame for their respective co- co- respective uh, domestic leagues too. Would certainly be very impactful. Ladies and gentlemen, into the NetFC is available on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and Amazon music. Steve, Thank you so much for joining me this evening. I cannot wait to have you back on. Everybody have a great week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.